listening to episode 20, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. One of our favorite questions to ask our guests on the podcast is, what's the most valuable thing that you've learned in the Christian life? Honestly, the responses to this question have been some of the most profound things. We've had anywhere from, uh, basically, I'm just a child of God, to uh, it's all about grace, or uh, it's not about what I do. It's, it's some of these most profound statements that you would probably take for granted if you just heard them in passing. But really, these statements end up being lessons that have been learned over a lifetime that we understand in our head, but take, sometimes take a little more time to sink into our hearts. And so in this chapter, we want to kind of take a look at the most valuable lessons that Chris and I have learned in the Christian life. So Chris, what's the most valuable thing you've learned in the Christian life so far? So far. Um, so I'm going to take a page out of uh, our guest. Um, So I'm going to take a page out of our guest Evan Howard's book and say, there have been many conversions, if you will. <laughs> and so, and that is how I look at these, these moments in my life. Sometimes I often say, man, I look back five years ago on my life and I think, man, that guy knew nothing about the gospel. Like he just did not understand what was, life was like. And the cool thing was, is I, five years ago, I looked back at myself five years previous and I said the same thing. So now I've gotten to a place where I hope five years from now, I can say, wow, I really didn't know what I was talking about. So that's just my preface. <laughs> I think maybe that's, that, <laughs> that's been a huge learning point for me. Um, I shared it uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, though, where I talked about one of the most valuable things that have been recent is that it's actually possible to live the life that Jesus lived. And the reason why it's actually possible to live that life was because of the way he lived with the Holy Spirit. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Growing up, I often think, I think like many of us do, that Jesus was just, he did the things that he did because he was God. And so he kind of gets a pass, like, or he was cheating almost, right? Because he's God. Of course he was perfect. But when you really understand some of the things that Paul's talking about, especially in Philippians 2, when talks about Jesus emptying himself. And then you really look at other, you dive deep into the, the Gospels, and you find out that, no, 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 Jesus emptied himself. He became a baby, and then he had to constantly rely on the Father's direction and the Spirit's presence in his own life. He even says, he's, I don't do anything of my own will. I only do that which I see the fathers doing, right? And then you see these moments when he's sitting in the garden of Gethsemane and he's weeping and sweating blood profusely. Like, this is not a man who has just shown up for work today just to punch the clock. Like, this is a guy who is surrendering his will because he knows how tough it is. So it's not easy. Like, we really do have a great high priest who knows our affliction and has gone through the same things that we're going through. And so, understanding that, 
and, and a lot of that understanding has come through, now this might get a little out there, but it's come through for me with Trinitarian theology. And, and, and Trinitarian theology, again, we often think that it's trying to figure out who God is in and of himself. So he's sitting up there somewhere in space, and he's a father on the one hand and a son and the Holy Spirit, and somehow those meld together into three persons, but they're really one. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what the Trinity is about. The Trinity is about doing one thing. It's about explaining how salvation comes about. It's because Jesus comes, he's born of the Spirit, and then Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Father is this guy that we see working and acting in Israel's history. The man who has created everything, the man who has orchestrated everything that has happened in Israel's history in order to bring about salvation. Forget anything else you know about Trinitarian theology. Focus on that. I think you would go a long way. I mean, of course, there's more to it. <laughs> but that, to me, has been life-changing for understanding, wow, okay, God's full purpose in this life has really been to save the humanity in which he loves so much, and that yet he doesn't just leave us after we're saved. He doesn't just, like, Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sins. And he says, all right, you're good to go. No, he comes and he dwells within us. His spirit literally wants to live within us and dwell with us and help us live this life that he's called us to live. And that for me is completely freedom. Like that has been such a weight off of my shoulders because I do, I want to perform. I want to live up to certain expectations. But from all the stuff that we've talked about so far this week, um, I think this is where it culminates is, is, this life in the Spirit that's really possible because of His work in my life. What was it like, uh, you know, thinking back before, uh, what was it like when it wasn't, when you thought it wasn't possible? Was it more of a mentality that said, I could never be like that, I just have to rely on grace? What did that look like? It was, no, it was a bootstrap mentality. Like, I have to do it. Like, I have to figure it out, especially. Like, that's really a big one in that um, it's probably one of the things that has driven me in my academic career, if you want to call it that, at least in my intellectual curiosity. And some of that, I think, is, is just a good natural part of who God's created me to be. But a lot of what drives me is to figure out the puzzle so that I can live up to those expectations. So God has called me for something, for some purpose. Now it's up to me to go and figure out how to actually get the thing accomplished. We were, we, in one of the earlier chapters, we were talking about the, the talents, right? So God has given me these talents, and now it's up to me to go put those things to work. So if we're, if we're putting it in the realm, if we're going to continue to use the analogy of money, I've got to go and learn all about Wall Street that I can, of the Wall Street of the economy, of, of this thing, of stewarding these talents and putting those things to work. And like we've talked about with you know, Scott Rodin especially, but then where this becomes practical is it's, it's, it's not just me learning to be, because I can turn being into a doing easily, right? Because, okay, I'm going to learn to be, okay, what do I have to do to learn to be? And, and it just keeps going well, for even me. Even learning to do or learning to be is doing something. That's right. Exactly. And so <laughs> understanding that it's the spirit who does that in me. I create some conditions. I can organize my life. I get to cultivate the garden of my heart, if you will. 
I get to create the lifestyle of discipleship. But I can do nothing to produce the growth in my own heart and in my own life. That has to be 100% from God. And even the, the meager efforts that I get to put forth on whatever that creation of a, of a lifestyle of discipleship looks like is just, it's, it's just like the widow with the two mites. That's about all I've got to offer. And, and so even that has to be taken by God and multiplied and, and used, and he's got to give me the strength and ability to, to, to really even do that. And, and so I, I'm left feeling like utterly helpless, and yet at the same time completely freed from those chains of feeling like I have to do something. So, yeah, bootstrap. It's interesting, because for me, it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same struggle. Like I, we've t- I've mentioned it before, for me, the struggle is I have to perform to earn God's favor. Mm. And the, the most valuable lesson for me has been that God already offers that favor freely. Mm. And he did that in, in Christ on the cross and the grace that he offers me every day, uh, mainly because he is God and he's that just, he's that awesome. It's not about anything I've done. And so for me, that takes, it takes the pressure off of performance, uh, but it also takes the pressure off of having to live up to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't excuse my sinful behavior when I mess up. But what it does say is that sinful behavior no longer defines me as a Christian. Mm-hmm. That sinful behavior is no longer what, uh, keeps me bound. It's no longer my identity. My identity is, a, is, a, is as a son of God. And understanding that fully, I, like, like you were mentioning, we look back, five, we've had this conversation, we look back five years from now and think, I don't know how we were even saved back then. Mm-hmm. And then we thought that of ourselves 10 years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at a point now where I'm continuing to understand more and more about what grace really means in my life. And the more I do understand, the more I feel like I, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Einstein had this analogy in science where if you take a, uh, like a flashlight's light beam and shine it on something, it makes a, let's say it makes, you hold it close to a table, it makes like a six inch circle. Mm-hmm. And the farther away you move that, the circle gets bigger. Well, as the, as the circle gets bigger, the amount of light that you shine on the thing increases. Uh, the, the bigger the perimeter is of the darkness around it. And so it's kind of like this idea that the more you know, the more that you know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really what I'm finding to be true in my own life. The more I understand grace, the more I recognize that I need that grace in more areas than I thought I did. So is that, you know, that's interesting because it almost seems like then it wouldn't be freeing. So was it a situation for you where, you felt you you knew too much about what it took to either earn God's forgiveness or earn God's favor. And so, but the more you started understanding grace, the more you, you, you were able to let go more and more? Or what did that, if that doesn't make any sense, maybe you can just tell us, at what point, or was there a certain turning point when the light switch sort of went on and there was that flip for you? 
so one of my favorite books, another one of my favorite books that I didn't actually mention in the last chapter, is uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners by John Bunyan. Uh, it's kind of his journal of his Christian journey. And in it, at one point, he talks about this experience where he's walking down a path and all of a sudden God's grace hit him and things were different. He had that moment. Martin Luther had one of those moments when he got nearly killed by lightning and got freaked out and all of a sudden it was, I'm going to go do this. And then for him, uh, moving forward, it was uh, a, a struggle to to learn what the Christian life was all about until all of a sudden, grace. So a lot of people throughout history have had these huge experiences of all of a sudden grace. For me, it's not been one of those light switch flip moments. And one of the ways that I deal with that is by walking with a pastoral coach. He constantly, constantly brings me back to grace. Because I'll come to him with stuff that I've been working through, stuff that I've been chewing on or struggling with. Uh, and you and I have those conversations too, where I just, I get so caught up in my own head and my own thinking and the stuff that I'm doing wrong. And my, my friends, my coaches, my family keep calling me back to rest in God's grace. And so for me, it's just one of those practices that I have to keep doing over and over and over again. And so it wouldn't be a, a light switch kind of a moment. Now, the struggle for me, in addition to that, is the more that I'm called back to grace, uh, and it, it's kind of like I, uh, like you're going through cleaning your entire house, and you get one room clean, and you're like, oh, finally. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out, and you see that the kids have destroyed an entirely separate room. And then you go into the other room, and you clean it up, and then you walk out, and you realize there's another room, and another room, and another room. and so. Uh, for me, that part of the journey kind of gets a a little depressing, but part of the cool thing that I've learned in that process is that there's grace even for the process. God knows how many rooms are dirty. He knows the true extent of how deep the evil is in my life, in my heart. And the Christian life isn't about having that all gone in a single moment. The Christian life is about having that all covered by God's grace in a single moment, mm-hmm. and then spending your, the rest of your life recognizing that His grace exists to help you clean that stuff up, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. Yeah. And so, that for me has been one of the most valuable things that I've learned, and I'm still trying to learn it, really. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging, though, when you know that you don't walk that alone. You know, at least with the analogy of cleaning the house, I, I sort of get depressed thinking about it in those terms. <laughs> I hate cleaning the house. But um, if if I put it in the picture, maybe if I can combine the two for no other reason than I'm thinking it. Um, it is. We get to go through that process with Jesus. So it's not even that we're doing that by ourselves. It's that he wants to go on that journey with us. Like, he's invited us on that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. And we get to walk that journey then with others. And it's why we have step three in our uh, plan to create a lifestyle of discipleship. It's why it's so important is to walk with other people, even in those moments. And so, no, I think that's, I think that's really great. It's really beautiful. It's, it's, It's always interesting to find out how the Lord works in each of our lives. I mean, we 
spend each day together working and toiling alongside, but it's always fun to be able to catch up and talk about some of these things. And so, and it's cool how we struggle in some of the same areas, but God handles us very differently. Yeah, sometimes. very differently. Exactly. Um, so today I think the challenge should be to do that to, well, first off, okay, it's going to be a couple challenges. Take a moment and actually just journal. Write down what has been the most valuable thing that you have learned in the Christian life. It doesn't have to be long. It can be like three or four or five sentences or whatever. Just, just do the, go through the process of thinking. I think that's going to be the best thing. And then if you feel so led, because I think where we've ended up is so much of the Christian life can be lived in isolation, and we hate that. That's part of what we want to come against, creating a lifestyle of discipleship. It's meant to be walked and lived with others. Um, share that with someone, with a close friend or family member, not just anyone. I mean, don't just trust that with anyone. We're not trying to throw pearls before swine here, but somebody that you think you can trust. Maybe it's somebody you have a relationship with and you would like to take it a little bit deeper. This would be an incredible opportunity to invite them deeper into your life and share a little bit with yourself with them. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship, and the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to give us a review and then share this episode with someone else. These reviews help get this content in front of more people and help spread the word about the value of a lifestyle of discipleship. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.